And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome in the NVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. You got to use that promo code DNVR20 because you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we are taking your questions. We are talking about what you want to talk about. We got a couple submitted on the line via the Twitter sphere. Uh, obviously, we are also always, always live on Facebook and Periscope Monday through Friday at 4 5 p.m. Very baseball time for us. You know, you can catch the special show on Wednesdays on the YouTube. In addition to that, the DFA show that we do. But you can submit your questions right here for us. A lot of stuff to answer, Patrick. Uh, it's been before, but real quickly, before we get right into the questions, though, I guess a bit of news and notes. We talked a little bit on yesterday's podcast about uh, the dramatics and the flair and the, the, the tempers between the Dodgers and the Padres. And now uh, there will be no more because the Padres are no more in this season's postseason. Uh, again, uh, we're getting some chalk here in the playoffs and it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, certainly not very exciting uh, to just have the Dodgers completely roll over the Padres who you can't deny are an exciting young club, but uh, you know, they were without their, their two horses there. You know, uh, Clevenger, of course, you know, was able to start game one, but was obviously very ineffective and, and, and injured. Uh, in fact, they had to remove him off the roster to, to create a spot for a rookie who made his major league debut in the postseason in uh, Ryan Weathers, uh, son of David Weathers. And, you know, it was... Uh, Casey or... Yeah. <laughs> and... and <laughs> And so he was—he was, he was going to be out for the NLCS too. They weren't—weren't weren't, uh, the rules uh, make it so that you can't bring a guy back like that, right. just in case you're trying to, you know, manipulate some things. So they, it's you know, a good rule. It's a good it rule. is. Uh, and and so you know they were they were just hamstrung there in, in such a major way, and and the Dodgers just really dominated. I mean, there's nothing else to say. You know, I think even even with a a healthy starting staff there with Clevenger and uh, Denilson Lamette, I think. It was still going to be, you know, Dodgers probably in four, but you know, with those two guys being out, Dodgers pretty easy in three, taking the yeah. sweep, you know, just just like Atlanta did, had called that one there as as being pretty easy, but yeah, not as much fight in San Diego as you would have liked to see. Really, 
a little disappointed in them, but hey, this is their this is their first rodeo. They took a big step forward again, shortened season, but they took a big step forward, and it'll be it'll be exciting to see what they do in the NLS for the next couple of years to come. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how much of it does hold up. As we know, you know, there there are certain things where, um, as they say, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting the phrase now. Oh, progress is not linear. Um, and you know, some of these guys have had a lot of the guy. Almost everybody on the Padres had a career year, and that makes sense when most of your guys are 25 years old. I've, I've talked about that as well. But as we have seen, you know, you can't always rely on guys. You know, the league can make adjustments, different things can happen. You, you get out of the rhythm that you're in. It'll be absolutely fascinating to see uh, how they respond specifically because, uh, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, everybody in the national league has the exact same problem, right? At the very, or I should say at the end of the season, everybody in the national league is going to have the exact same problem, whether you're the Rockies or the Padres or now the Atlanta Braves, you have to figure out a way to beat these Dodgers. And that is just not, there's no easy answer to that. Yeah. Much like Tampa Bay, you know, Dodgers just have such incredible depth that, you know, when they go down to their bench, oh, you know, there might, be, what there, might, there might not be, there might not be you know superstars on the bench for, for, for LA, but they are guys who have just come up in the clutch. So frequently a guy like Jock Peterson, who, you know, was, you know, slated to start in Minnesota, you know, those uh, two sides coming together on a deal before it fell apart. And then it mainly just became Kent to Maeda for bruised our Gratterall. So still worked out for LA, but Jack Peterson should be in somebody's uh, starting outfield. And here he's a platoon guy, you know, just, yeah. just coming up against right-handed pitchers because he's a left-handed hitter that mashes that way. So, you know, they're just, they have just such incredible depth and, you know, their bullpen is not as strong as it's been. I think in the past, and Kenley Jansen has a couple more, you know, uh, cracks than than he has in the past. But yeah. uh, you know, Bruce Gratterall is a is a future closer in the waiting. You know, you could really see him start to dominate very much like a you know Francisco Rodriguez did K Rod in the two thousand one you know playoffs going into. I'd almost years. prefer that to him to, to them stretching him out and and looking back at at having him as a starter again, which I don't know if that's. In the works, um, I don't know if that's been considered, but I hope not. That dude scares the the holies out of me. That that guy is he's a fearsome pitcher, man. He he's a thrower. He doesn't pitch. Yep. If you really actually watch him, yeah, he just gets up there and throws, and it's 100 miles an hour. It's like this easy cheese. So it's it's actually pretty amazing what they've been able to to get out of him. And and I thought that that deal, you know, wasn't wasn't very good because Kenta Maeda, we've seen what he's been able to do in the NOS and considering his contract was very, very team friendly. Still value wise, I would say I'd, I'm glad, you know, I'd rather not see Kenta Maeda starting, <laughs> you know, I, 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 and he particularly owned the Rockies and he owned at Coors Field. He's one of very few pitchers who came into Coors Field from outside and was like, yeah, I can survive here. I can be very successful here. Um, Kenta Maeda is a guy the Colorado Rockies should have been trying to acquire, though in division trades can be very difficult, obviously. But uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. They still got something great out of it, though. So you, you can't say like, oh, you lost the trade if like they end up getting a shutdown closer out of the deal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And again, I think one of the 
one of the things you do when you make a trade like that is you recognize you have depth and the Dodgers have that starting pitching depth. And they even, even went out and traded Ross Stripling to Toronto, Rich Hill gone, you know, also to Minnesota. So you say, okay, well, we've got a, we've got depth and starting pitching so we can get rid of this guy who also has a friendly contract that makes him even more attractive and valuable. Um, and you bring back uh, a rookie who has six years of team control. That's going to be incredibly cheap and affordable. And if you say, hey, you know, when our coaches get get our hands on this kid, it's, he's going to be even even better than what you saw down in the lower levels in the minor leagues at, uh, at, at Rochester and what have you. So, you know, you, you find value out of your depth. And when you, when you do that, you can just continue to churn over the players and turn over the roster and just keep adding, you know, a lot of valuable pieces. So it, it's, it's why Los Angeles is so effective at what they do. Signing, uh, rather uh, drafting, uh, signing international free agents, and making trades and just kind of, you know, knowing where, where to make the deals when they, when they need to, you know, when strike while the iron's hot, you know, it's, it's, it's like a wall street type mentality of just kind of move all these pieces around. And when thing when it's all said and done, you go, what do we have now? Yeah, this is better than what we had before. Maybe not in a singular deal. Maybe even we look back and we say, you know, they, they kind of lost that, that Maeda for Gratterall deal. But you say over on the grand scheme of things, well, hey, you know what? Jensen fell apart really quickly after 2020. They had nobody else in the back of their bullpen. Pedro Baez fell apart. And you go, wow, this guy was you know, their closer. He was a dominant closer, like immediately jumps on the scene and is like Francisco Rodriguez or Craig Kimbrell or even a, a Houston Street. Guys like that were immediately dominant in the closer's role. And you go, well, you know what? They lost the trade, but that was just an overall great deal when you look at the grand scheme of things. And it's one of the reasons why it's, you know, worrying about trying to win every trade or just worrying about winning a trade is just such small potatoes. You just have to try to improve your club the best way you can. And a lot of times a trade is one of the easiest ways to go about doing it. Yeah, it certainly helps when you've got a billion dollars, but, you know, it certainly helps when you've got an endless funnel of resources to back up those possibilities. But I mean, I don't know what that money has to do with with trading, you know, Kenta Maeda necessarily. You know, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a small trickle down effect to it all. But you, you have to have the guts to make a big deal like that. And 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 we've seen some organizations that maybe don't have those guts. Let's just say like that again. Because they don't have a $2 billion reservoir and resources to be able to risk the possibility of trading away a pitcher on a cheap contract because of a guy they think might eventually turn into something. Like they don't have the luxury of also the built in audience of not losing people if they move out a guy who, not in this particular case, but if somebody who's maybe more of a face of the franchise. There's just, there's so many ways in which having all of that extra money impacts just having the depth in the first place that you can afford to trade away a guy like that for something that's a specific need to begin with. Like that's a, that's a luxury that most teams in baseball don't have. And most teams in baseball don't have the Dodgers payroll and they don't have their TV deal. And that's part of the reason why most teams don't have the luxury of being able to, lose trades on face 
but gain something that to them individually, specifically, might help them more because it, it you, you don't have a, especially if it goes wrong, it's going to torpedo your organization if you're the Reds or the Rockies or the Twins or somebody like that much more than it's going to torpedo an organization like the Dodgers or the Yankees who can just cut that guy if greater all didn't pan out and just go sign the next best reliever or some other reliever the next off season. And well, I pay them both at the same time. Well, yeah, I mean, and the example of Maeda for greater all is, is probably the, is probably not the best one because Los Angeles ended up saving money on that deal. Again, Maeda was on a team friendly contract and they brought in a rookie making the league minimum. So that's not yeah, a great, I mean, you know, the, the best example. And, and that, but that's part of the reasons why LA did that was because they were trying to be cost effective and said, well, how should we spend our money? Let's do it wisely and say, well, instead of going out and getting a relief pitcher, let's see if we can recruit one from another club and make a smart trade like that. I also think it might be a little too harsh to say that one bad trade for Colorado would torpedo them. Like, I think, yeah, it might, it might hurt them. Absolutely. And I think that's partially why we probably haven't seen Jeff Reidich make any deals here. Um, but, but every offer that's come across his table, there's, there's, there's no way that every single offer that has come across his table has been a deal where it could torpedo the franchise. I, I just don't see that as being a possibility. Yeah, GMs are, are trying to make you know deals and, and trying to win it, but they know like, look, I got to give something to get something. And again, we know Dick Monfort has you know turned down and interjected himself in some trades, which you know certainly can can hurt the the uh, efficiency or, or rather the efficacy of what uh, Jeff Breidich is is trying to do. But at the same time, I mean, there are deals out there that you make it and you go. All right, let's trade Carlos Estevez for, you know, this uh, this other you know utility player that we think might uh, fit in in a much better role than a Garrett Hampson. That that's not that wouldn't torpedo the team, but that's a move that you would definitely have to take guts, especially considering the year that Carlos Estevez had in 2019. Forgetting 2020, you go, wow, that's gutsy. That's gutsy to trade a, a guy that's you know your seventh, eighth inning guy in the reliever, but. If you're getting back something you feel is going to be a bigger piece for your organization or your franchise in the next couple seasons, it's a deal you got to try to make and do something. I mean, the big, the, the biggest problem with those is that, like you talked about, like all of the 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 medium level guys for the Colorado Rockies don't have value. No one's looking to give you fair value for Carlos Estevez or even a guy like John Gray. Like every Maybe. off season, when I read these articles about how the Rockies should trade John Gray and here's what they're going to get for him. And here's what he's worth. It's like, this is why this isn't happening. Here's the, the disconnect. The Colorado Rockies see him as an absolutely essential rock in their rotation. One of the few people in the history of the franchise has ever figured this out. And other people see him as maybe a number four in their rotation. And that's what they're willing to give up for him. The only people who've ever really, you know, at least in terms of what, it's public airwaves, and you and I both know that there's a lot more behind the scenes. But are, are, are these big moves, trade Charlie Blackman, the Troy Tulowitzki deal? I, I, while I don't think you could say that torpedoed the organization, I think you could qualify that as a big, gigantic missed opportunity, especially if you want to go back a year and say, you know, what could the organization have gotten if they would have traded him then or in the offseason prior? Um, 
or if they had just gotten some value other than just basically financial relief out of that deal. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they take a much, much bigger risk when they trade a player of that both caliber and renown off of their franchise uh, in hopes that a Jeff Hoffman and, and a Miguel Castro and a Jesus Tinoco are going to end up, you know, replacing it in terms of value. Now, the fact that Tulowitzki, again, this is an imperfect example because the guy happened to sure. crash and burn in the fall. Though people right. forget he was actually good for that, that year in Toronto. Very good. A, there, there was one full season in Toronto. He got a gold glove nomination. He was, he was more or less too low. And so, you know, what would that have done for the Rockies in 2016? Nothing. They happen to have had, you know, uh, but more value out of them. So, yeah, it's, there, there's not going to be any perfect examples here. The, the point is just that it is a much higher risk for a team that doesn't have the luxury to make those kinds of moves. And if it doesn't work out, just part from them, just cut ties and say, you know, this, this isn't working. We're going to pay you to go away because we can afford to pay somebody else to come in. Yeah, but again, if we talk about Colorado being a mid-market team or small market team, there are other mid-market and small market teams that make trades, you know, and and, and they do things. They 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 have that focus. And again, sometimes it's not pretty. You say, oh, Miami, you know, traded Christian Yelich. Okay, that was that was part of something much bigger. Did it with Giancarlo Stanton. Um, you know, St. Louis, you know, the star right now, the playoffs right now is the Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Rosarena. Both those trades were terrible. <laughs> Both those Marlins trades were awful. Like well, I know they made the playoffs this year, but let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Marlins. Or, I mean, well, I'm, well, all I'm saying is, it's you. You said that it's difficult and challenging for a club like the Rockies to part with guys like that and maybe not get fair value or whatever. I'm only saying that the other 29 teams are aware of that risk and they do participate that in that. Right. And they're and outside, burned by it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like you, but you just gave an example of someone who, of the Marlins who were, burned and they win by some, the way they thinking. win some and they lose some. But the fact that the Rockies are kind of staying out of, you know, conducting itself like a major league baseball club, I think is, is really the, the biggest problem. If, wait, if wait, you can wait, lose wait. some whoa, trades, whoa, 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 you can whoa, lose some that, trades, you can win some trades, but to do nothing, it's just it's just kind of contrary to what you should be doing. Uh, just trying to trying to reinvent the wheel, I think, in different ways is hasn't been working. We've been talking about it with the team president business, you know, like they've they just want to try to see if they can figure to do things their way. Um, and their way has and not I'm, produced uh, any NLS pennants, unfortunately. And um, and it's it's oh. just it's just head scratching. That's all. Oh. It's a little head scratching. Uh, there was so much to unpack there. Wow. Um, no, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with any of that. I, I think they are conducting themselves as a major league baseball team. I think they absolutely have to work in unique ways. It's weird. Cause we've been laying that out all like uh, off season and they like trade they make, trades. They do make trades and they have made trades and like, it, I, I don't know the idea that they're so far outside the parameters of making the trades that they're not conducting themselves like a major league baseball team, I, I, I think is, a bit much, especially when you give examples again. Of, well, they're not conducting themselves like of, like the other twenty nine teams. Yes, no, they, 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 they do some trades. things really well, but right. as far as trades go, they've just kind of they're in this this black hole unto themselves, and it's 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 very puzzling. And they, they need to do something. They need to they need to do something. That's it. 
Um, that that's kind of why they're they're in this uh, you know predicament in some ways. They just need to choose a path. You're either good at winning or you're good at losing. And if you go the Miami Marlins route, maybe you lose a couple trades, maybe you don't. You know, you, you could talk about Giancarlo Stanton hitting homers in five consecutive postseason games. You can also talk about the fact that he still owed close to $300 million and how that was a bad deal to begin with. But they got out from underneath that. And now they're, you know, again, they've got the youth core going. They're trying to do some things. And you say, okay, that's a plan. Again, um, well, you, you go all in and maybe, maybe you try to do something with your core, but it's about uh, to run out. I mean, you said it yourself with Troy Tulowitzki. They, they waited a year too long. Well, are, are they waiting a year too long to do something now and either break up this core or to go all in? We'll see what happens this offseason. Philadelphia Phillies were a perfect example of this in the late 2000s where Ruben Amaro just waited too long to get anything for his star players, and they still haven't recovered from that. They waited too long to try to do anything with Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley. They lost Jason Worth to, to free agency, didn't get anything for him there. Uh, that one I definitely understand. Ryan Howard, they had a lot of guys that just they ran the clock out on. And uh, those were Albatross contracts they didn't realize. who were playing poorly for a whole lot of money. Like, no, but before they, they got to that point. Yeah. Before right. they got to that point. Chase Utley right. was 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 uh, well compensated. He was he was not an overpaid player. Yeah. Jimmy Rollins was not. Ryan Howard was. Yeah. That was a guy that you just weren't going to be able to move. But if you you know, parted with a prospect or something, another team is going to go, going to go ahead and take that money off of your roster. So again, you, you give, you get, there's that, there's that give and take, um, that you really need to, to, to participate in to try to change the, uh, the construction of your roster and outside of the trade deadline, we just haven't seen Colorado do that. And I mean, they've made several start doing something. trades, and that's how Herman Marquez came in. I mean, whatever. I mean, that was four again, years just, ago. True, four years ago, one trade. I mean, there have been You're talking several. about one trade four years ago. Again, literally no other trades in the off season. There's only been so much that. Well, I mean, again, in the 17 and 18 off season, what were they supposed to be doing between 16, 17, 17, 18, when the team was building the way it was supposed to be? They were re-signing guys that they needed to re-sign, like. The idea that the only the way that they, they need to build is is to trade. Like I didn't say when it's the only way. Successfully through 16, 17, and 18 their way. And I, I just find it really bizarre to say that their way has had no success when it did I have never success said that either. 17 and 18. And the Marlins have had success when, no, they haven't. They haven't had the, – the only time they've been in the playoffs in the last decade is this really weird year. Where I also never said the Marlins have had success. You, you gave an example that you know small market and mid-market clubs can't take a risk. Yeah, you can. No, I said, take they can't, I said if they take a risk, it's much, much bigger for them. And if it doesn't work out, they're much more screwed by it. And the Marlins are a perfect example of that, as are the Colorado Rockies with a lot of the but bigger think, risk moves that they've made. I don't think the, the Marlins are screwed. I think I think the Marlins had part of a plan. Now, whether it works out or not, we still have a long way to go until we find that out. But that was part of a much bigger plan that they're trying to do. Whether it works out or not is is completely separate. But they've again they they took that risk. They their teams are out there willing to do that. You know, take those risks. I don't work for the front office, so I don't know what trades have been out there. But I do know when I see the other twenty nine teams conducting themselves in numerous trades throughout almost every off season, and the Rockies have done one four years ago. 
it's just strange. That's all. It's just strange. Again, there, there have been more, and I can't rattle them all off the top of my head, and a lot of them have been lower level. There have been more, but there is a reason for it, and we've, we've gone into What's deep the detail, and we'll continue Why have the Rockies made the one Colorado trade in four years? Environment that no other team in baseball does, and because they do not, under any circumstances, get fair trade value for their players on the market. They have to wait until people are desperate at the trade deadline to make those moves that can maybe finally benefit them. And if it doesn't work out, especially if it's a blockbuster move, it's going to be much worse for the Colorado Rockies because they don't have the financial flexibility and they don't have the built-in fan base that if they move Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story right now because the numbers say it's the time to do it and it's the value time to do it and you're going to get more FWAR in the next couple of years and these guys are all going to come through and they lose X millions of dollars on ticket sales because no one's coming to Coors Field because their favorite ball players are gone. That's a luxury the Colorado Rockies don't have that the Dodgers and Yankees and Red Sox and a handful of other teams do. Now you're right that there are a lot of other teams in baseball that don't as well and some of them approach it one way and it doesn't work out particularly well for them. And some approach it another way and it works out a little bit better for them, but there's no one in baseball who's figured out to cons how to consistently be world series contenders with a mid market team. And so th this idea that like, Oh, we'll just, just follow the Marlins path or just follow the Mariners path or just like, I, I just find that all this stuff very fascinating when it's like those things might, work out in the future and i understand what because people can believe in the plan the colorado rockies have a plan as well and people refuse to believe in it so they go they don't have one. Oh, they don't have a plan because i don't believe in it or i refuse to look at the data that shows oh this is why they're doing what they do because it actually is different there and to just dismiss it and say well 29 teams are doing it this way and you're the only one doing it that way therefore it's got to be wrong when we recognize that with every other element of what they do you know, if that's the case, well, then, and we, I mean, we do know this, but then FR, WRC plus, then all these things aren't just off. They're wrong. If that's the case, if the Rockies are wrong for not doing things the way every other team is doing it, then the stats are wrong and the Hall of Fame voters are wrong and the award voters are wrong. They're not just mistaken or off by a little bit. It's objectively false because it is a fact of everything that they do. This is a fact of everything that they do. And to only bring it up when, you know, the, the, the statistics are off by a little bit and not recognize that that means that the Rockies have to do things differently. I, to me, it's just very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you, you covered a lot there in, in the history of the Rockies franchise for sure. But the, the one thing that we can say at 28 other teams have done in baseball is won their division. And the Rockies have not done that. There's one other team that has never won their division, and that's the Florida slash Miami Marlins, and they've actually won two World Series. So that's the only corner that I can really paint the Rockies in unto themselves is they, they've yet to get that done. So, um, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll Some see. teams have existed for 100 years longer. That's not even close. Since 1993. There. Since 1993, every single team has won their division except Miami and Colorado. And Miami has two World Series. So, again, we'll, we're, we've got a plenty of time. In the postseason last, you can define success. A lot of it, that, that one's always bothered me. The never, they've never won their division thing. Like, like, I get it. Yeah. And a lot of 
most teams don't play in a division with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And some play in the division, same division as the Yankees. Some play yeah. in the same division as the Mets and Atlanta. Yeah. Some play in the same division as the Houston Astros and, and Los Angeles here and there. They and all play. They all play against big markets. They won a pennant in a time when a lot of other teams have never won the pennant. So, I mean, it, you know, where uh, what's more important, winning your division or winning the pennant? Playing well in the regular season. I mean, I, th I think that's it's super. It's more important than winning a pennant. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You win a pennant means you played. You, you were the best in your division for an entire season. You know, postseason luck is a whole other thing. That's why I said, like, it's kind of it's kind of weird to say, hey, Miami and Colorado both haven't won their division. One has won two World Series. The other hasn't won any. But the other the other team, the Rockies, did go to a World Series. So, you know, they're they're both kind of anomalies for for totally different reasons but i think that's that's the show of success because we know the playoffs is is a crapshoot and that's you know kind of going that the wild card exists is that you can be one of the better teams in baseball and just be stuck in a tough division and you still belong in the postseason so when people say they've never won their division i'm like they've been one of the best that's teams in baseball that's that an belong in the postseason. that's an important element that's it's important also element. but it's also so much a technicality there are so many things that are just random ass luck that have to do with the quality of your division uh, injuries that there's so many. And we've got that, 28 seasons, right? That's not that's so much of a small sample. The Colorado Rockies have been in the postseason more than other teams, which means they've had better. You just defined regular season. The, yeah, they're, they've been there more than a lot of other teams. They're in the bottom so. third. They're in the bottom third when it comes to playoff appearance. Okay. So we don't need to go into the whole team. thing. We don't need to go into the whole thing of the of the entire history of the Rockies. It's just that again, if we're we're just talking about trade, since we got on the topic of of what the Dodgers have been able to do, that's that's one of those areas that I, I think I would love to see Jeff Breidich, Dick Monfort, to get involved more in and and get creative and and try some different things. And yeah, it might not work. Don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything crazy. But you know, I, I would love to to see what they can do and put together. You know, particularly with the analytics department, and see if they can find value. That's what we've been talking about. You know, since the end of the season is you know what kind of player would be a good fit in Colorado, and maybe the analytics department can find that, and they can go out, make a trade, bring the a player in, and you go, wait a minute, you gave up Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz. Those might be two bad examples. Well, I guys right. down years. Guys. You go. You gave up Yancy Almonte, Brendan Rogers. What Yancy Almonte? You gave yeah. up Yancy I mean, Almonte for X. Don't trade pitchers. Don't ever trade. But but Rogers, I think like like a top prospect, like a Rogers or a Welker or something. That, and then Rogers doesn't have a lot of shine on him right now or whatever. But um, but you got to take that chance if you can trade Yancy Almonte and make the team better. And you, it, you're going to go. Well, there's no way to do it. Well, yeah, there's there are ways. There are ways. It's it's not. It, nothing is impossible. And again, the fact that both you and I have never been in any of those meetings with with front offices and seen what kind of offers have been made, it's kind of hard for us to say like, oh man, they've done a bad job. The only thing we can I've say, seen one or two. Only only thing we can say uh, as of I, of course, sure. No, oh, but, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen them too. You know, yeah, and you know what I'm talking about. And and there have, there are some bad ones, but we can't. The one thing that we can say unequivocally oh, is. The one thing we can say unequivocally is that the Rockies make has made have made the least amount of trades in Major League Baseball in the past right. four or five seasons, and that's, and I, I think that's that they a little show. befuddling. That's all. I don't have the answer for it. I don't know what it necessarily means, other than it, it just does seem strange. That's all. Again, I, I think the reason for it is is right there. It's it's the ballpark, and I think they should make the fewest trades in baseball. But I'm also with you that they need to make 
better trades and they need to make, they, they still yeah. can make more trades. And, and I think the biggest thing would be, but again, their, their prospects tend to be really undervalued, but uh, Rogers wasn't. And, and he was a guy who they did have multiple opportunities to move on from. Yeah. And I've said on this podcast many times that I would not have bitten on any of them. And, you know, and, and again, like it, I, I still understand, like I still think that Rogers is going to be uh, a good player but mostly because none of them were for pitching. Uh, it, it, all of it was, you know, move out Brendan Rodgers for a major leaguer who can hit right now. And so I never felt like any of those deals were uh, the solution to the problem. But and, and all the other deals I've seen are, are moving pitching out again. It, 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 it's got to be the right thing. And so, you know, there, there's an alternate reality. And this is <laughs> this is going to push some buttons for some folks. But there is an alternate reality where the Rockies probably let's say 2018, right? When they, again, they, they had their best, one of their best, you know, uh, rosters that they've, they've had, no doubt about mm -hmm. it. Still with their window wide open for 2019, 2020, they trade Brendan Rogers in 2018 to get back whatever. And because of the absence of Brendan Rogers, you now need somebody to play second base. DJ and you bring back DJ LeMahieu. So that's crazy to think right. that there's this alternate reality in the world where that version of the Rockies, man, three year, three consecutive playoff appearances, four, maybe they nope. win an NL West. Nope. Don't know. We'll never know, of course. Nope. Unless DJ we, can't pitch. Um, DJ unless we do that time machine time. thing again. Unless again, we get a time machine and we go no, back to the. Still do that. You still have to, but. <laughs> that's hilarious we, then, we use and, time machines for the worst reasons there's no two ways about I know, it right right if i had a time machine the one thing i would definitely do is go back to the 2018 trade deadline <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where i'm going first with it um all right hey we should <laughs> we're gonna we were gonna talk about a couple of these things i do have to talk about DraftKings sportsbook before we move into our other topics yeah. of the day they are big fans of ours, and we are big fans of theirs because they put a little extra money in our pockets every once in a while. Both, you know, actually, literally, just sometimes they throw a little extra cash your way for some bonus bets if you've been throwing a few down here and there. And, of course, if you win, you've got a little extra skin in the game. You've had a good time watching some sports we know uh you know the baseball playoffs are still going on here for a little bit longer get in while you can make a little extra cash money on your baseball knowledge before the long cold winter sets in for quite a while and all there is to bet on is football once a week there, there's other stuff too i mean you can bet on ufc uh boxing and stuff i don't know that they've got golf. wwe stuff patrick golf that's right you can do like hole by hole betting on golf uh, WWE traffic. would be interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but uh, I it does exist. We do know that. I it know it exist. exists. Yeah, which is fundamentally bizarre, right? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> unless it's something that's like really far off, and you go, all right, who's going to be in the Royal Rumble? Well, Jake the Snake Roberts has been wanting to, you know, participate in a Royal Rumble for a while. If he makes an appearance. You know, right. that would be something where you go, all right, we you know, right. That, that can be made, but that's yeah. a strange one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stick to UFC. We'll stick to that. College football. <laughs> we got MLS. We There's still plenty of sports to really right. get some skin in the game for sure. I, I would assume they're going to get in on the, the rugby action 
with oh, yeah. our, our, our rugby people going on out here in Colorado. So check them out. Use the promo code DNVR at the DraftKings Sportsbook, and you'll get a promo code of up to a thousand bucks. That's right, promo code DNVR gets you that sign-up bonus of up to a G for a limited time only. At DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Since this was ostensibly going to be a a Q&A, but, you know, Patrick and I getting into it a little bit. Hey, sometimes you got to... Sometimes you got to hash it out. These are the same conversations that are going on inside of front offices. And if you have a room full of people who all agree with each other on these exact questions, you're doing it wrong. You are running your front office wrong if you're not haggling it out over this kind of stuff. True. To be to be fair, this is this was a Q and A show, not a Q's (laughs) and A's show. So when we get to that one, check we did it. What's, what's hilarious, have you seen your – oh, no, we, we've sort of talked about this. You're not really a Kevin Smith guy, but you're familiar and appreciative of with the Jersey connection. Oh, yeah. and, I've listened yeah, to his yeah. podcast a bunch. He's just an, he's an interesting guy, very compelling, fantastic yeah. storyteller. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I love Kevin Smith, of course. Personal hero of, of mine. Honestly, one of my bigger influences in, in getting into podcasting and thinking that I could do this was listening to his podcast all the time and being like, man – this guy just talks about what he loves with passion. I want to do that. <laughs> look at the look at where we are today. Um, but of course, he's also famous for those evening with Kevin Smiths, uh, where it's not really stand up, though it would look like it if you just walked in and watch it. Like you said, he's telling stories, but he's answering questions. And I think it's the second or third one that begins, and somebody asks a question, and then he talks for like thirty minutes, and then you realize that you've gone this whole way, and other people were like. So is this going to be a Q&A or were you, was it just the one Q? Uh, and I feel like that today because we have got one big Q here. There were a few others that came in that I think we're going to be able to get to and have some fun with uh, maybe another time, maybe there, a little bit at the end of this one. Did and there was a few. And there, well, there, there was one about um, what's my natural hair color. Yeah. I don't know what that one's about. Yes, I do have red facial hair, but my right. the hair on top of my head is, is au naturel. Right. We got, can we protest at Breidich's house? Jeremiah, you can, but if there's only like 10 of you there, you're going to look silly. Um, you know, but bring snacks, hydrate, you know, uh, and, and be careful. Use the buddy system. Make sure everybody gets home safe. Sprinklers uh, turn on at 6 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. So just a heads up there, you might want to back up a little bit when you do that. I've heard, I heard, those are the rumors. I don't know when the sprinklers actually go on, but so you got some inside input sources say, uh, we got a lot of sources. <laughs> and then of course, from Kenny Mandalorian wants a little Trevor talk. And, and I actually think this is a great topic to finish out on today, Patrick, because we've talked a lot about Nolan Arenado. One only wonders why. Um, <laughs> and there's, Maybe not quite as much intrigue surrounding Trevor's story, but he's almost the flip side of the coin of this Nolan thing. Uh, But I don't think it's necessarily a given. I I think we've framed this, and I don't think this is incorrect, that if the Rockies were to move on from Nolan Arenado uh, in a trade and, and get out from the contract, 
that the first thing they would do was turn around and hand most of that money to Trevor Story. But is Trevor Story worthy of the Nolan Arenado style contract? Are Nolan Arenado style contracts a good idea? What about the opt out? Would you do something like that and put yourself right back in this situation again? If Nolan Arenado is no longer on your team, what's the point of keeping Trevor Story long term? Can he still be in his prime long enough that whatever rebuild you're doing or whatever return you've gotten for Nolan is going to help out? And then, of course, Kenny also wants to know, will he stay under what conditions? Will I remain a fan if he leaves? He says, well, the answer is yes, but I'd still follow him. Yeah, we, we everyone would still be, you know, a, a Rockies fan. You, you're going to be hurt, right? And it's, it's baseball is meant to to hurt us, uh, as it was once said. And yeah, it's just just how it goes. And uh, you're rooting for the laundry, you're rooting for your hometown team. That's what makes the victories all the more sweeter. You know, that's that's what made that 2007 run so fantastic. Is you know everything that you know had been leading up to, especially in the early 2000s, and you know 2017, 2018, you got a taste of that. And yeah, sure, didn't last very long, but man, that was one of the most electric times. I mean, it, it really for me, it, it harkened back to a lot of those Yankee dynasties in the late 90s. And, and granted, that kind of energy in Denver at that time, you know, really only started to build. You know, late August in September. Um, you know, at, at the end of the month there. Whereas, you know, for the Yankees, it, it it goes on a little bit longer than that when you when you've got that kind of a dynasty. But it was just such an amazing time, and and that's why you continue to be fans uh, of your team. And you know that that being said, I think Trevor Story will stick around. I think Trevor Story is going to, you know, be uh, be a Rocky past. 2021. I don't know exactly for how long it will be. I don't know for how much money. Um, you know, with the CBA coming up, and go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I know, just one of the questions I asked in there was, "Is Trevor Story worth?" Because because you were about to get into the details of the possible, and I and I love that from you. I absolutely love that. Uh, but just the the philosophical, the theoretical question I I can ask is he worth? Nolan Arenado. I mean, that's not quite a Bryce Harper, Mike Trout money is Trevor Story worthy of being the eighth highest paid player in baseball or, or better. No, he's very close. He's very close, but he's not. I, I think I think the fact that, you know, you know, his ability to steal bases is valuable, but as a guy gets older. That is just some. That is just a skill that you lose, and that's going to come defensively too. You know, there's going to come a point in in Story's career where he's going to get the same kind of treatment as Derek Jeter, where it's like, ah, yeah, but you know, he made he makes those really good jump throws, like pretty fantastically, and once in a while he'll dive up the middle and and flip with his glove, but you know, the metrics are just showing he just doesn't have the range, like he just doesn't have that same you know first step like he used to have. And does that mean he goes over to third base? And, you know, Nolan himself has said that Trevor has more natural power than him, but I right. think story also has more swing and miss possibilities. That's part of his game that isn't on par with what Nolan Arenado has been able to do. So 
I was reminiscing yeah. with a, a long time, long time listener, viewer, reader from my old job, Cody. What's up if you're if you're listening? And, and we were reminiscing about um, a scouting report from when Trevor Story was with the Casper Ghosts, and the scouting report was potential five tool player got to strike out less than thirty percent of the time, and it's like. <laughs> or he could just be a five tool player who does strike out 30%. But you're right. That, that swing and miss has always been a part of his game. And, uh, and, and it does limit a little bit, uh, man, I'd love to, if he could ever get that, that's the step, right? He strikes out a little less. He makes a little more contact than he is worth top. Then he's a top 10 guy in the league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, obviously, again, a couple years younger than than Arenado. So, you know, you like that. He plays a premier up the middle position at mm-hmm. shortstop, which again, you know, he's his his abilities have are you know will not be going downhill, you know, anytime soon. So we right now you love the speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, and we saw more errors out of him this year than than we thought a lot more. But again, he was getting to more balls. So again, that's that's why you say, oh, an error, you know, oh you either have a lot or you have a little and you go, well, that's, that's the mark of a, a bad defensive player or the mark of a good defensive player. And, but again, if you are able to get to balls, other guys aren't, you are going to make plays that they can't. And you're also going to appear as if you're making errors. He also mi- missed some, some bad ones. He went, had, there was at least one that went right through the wickets. Um, you know, again, if you have a good first baseman that can pick you up, which Josh Fuentes certainly did that, you know, this year you're going to have a, you know, a few less, throws, few yeah. less errors. Right. So it's, it's, it's much like, you know, Manny should, Manny should get behind, uh, after he's already supported, kill the win, kill the error. Because again, that's, right. we need it to, to understand, Hey, why did that guy get to first base? The shortstop didn't do his job. Now, how poorly he did his job is a whole other right. thing, right? That's, That's why I want that forced error on forced error. And it's still subjective, but so, so is the error to begin with. The error to begin with is a subjective ruling. But when, like you said, when we see it all go right between the guy's legs and you go, ah, that's just an error on the shortstop. That was entirely the shortstop's fault. But yeah, if he, if he goes six feet into the hole and jumps across his body and throws and it short hops the first baseman and Daniel Murphy whips on it and it goes behind him and it, guy gets to third now it's a two base error on the shortstop and you're like but he almost made like the best play of his career <laughs> right? right so um yeah you can at least and, and i don't know that it solves the problem but i'd at least love to have the delineation between the forced error and the non-forced error and it's, and it's kind of the error really is just a a a vestige if you will of scorekeeping right of of, of the box score but well how do you explain the guy got to second base and it was like well he you know he he got I can't mark down double or hit in my box yeah sure yeah and and yeah you know it would have been better if you just sat on that ball but that's not how you play the game right you 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 go and you try to make the great play and and you hope for the best so but again you look at the whole picture and you say well what about a routine 6-3 well it was routine for Trevor Story but you know maybe Didi Gregorius or Gene Segura or or Nick Ahmed which Nick Ahmed it's probably a, a six three and ninety nine percent of the time because yep. that guy can pick it but when you when you give it some more context like that you kind of understand you know how good a guy is defensively and what he's bringing to the table and, and story still has a lot of really good years in his prime so uh, it's an interesting question because it's a challenge and you you see with with Nolan how 
you've got this long-term deal and, and the Rockies and Rockies fans got what they wished for. Like, Oh, we got them locked up except the fact that there was still an option and there's yeah. still, there's still room to be disgruntled. Now, if that option's not there, maybe there isn't the same kind of disgruntlement, dare I say, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, between, yeah, between Arenado and the organization and, and vice versa. Cause you just got to say, look, I'm, I'm here for the long haul. So yeah, I'm not happy, but look, I, I know what I did. I signed this contract there. There's no ways out and I'm fine. Let's, let's make this work. Let me figure it out. Oh man, do I have to wrap my head around a rebuild, a tank, whatever it is. I need to do that because I signed this deal. So, and I think, you know, I think story is, um, he's a little more measured, I think in a way like you, we haven't seen him take his helmet off and whip it at a, an opposing pitcher. He may have wanted to, but we haven't, we haven't seen him charge him out. We haven't, you know, seen him. Yeah, that's a great point. The I dude is. I can imagine Trevor story. Ice cold. That's a icy. really good point. Yeah. He's an icy dude. So, and again, if you want to really go back and dive deep and you say, you know, you talk about loyalty and you talk about mother's listening. Hi, Teddy. But on the baseball field, we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and to go back and, and talk about the loyalty of the Montforts and, you know, something from a, a few years ago that, um, you know, some interest that they had in, in players of a certain ilk. Trevor Story checks off all those boxes in every possible way. And you also, you know, again, we, that's what's beautiful about sports is you don't know the emotional components that, you know, pull out the heartstrings of certain people. And Dick Monfort is a human being and he loves this city and he loves his team and he's given back to the city of Denver in amazing ways. And you see what he's done with Coors Field and keeping the team here and not moving it out to Aurora or Commerce City where he could have had a much larger land and, a, you know, even bigger and better state of the art facility like, He's a human being and we'll be, you know, we'll be critical of the, some of the decisions he made has made um, that have not worked out, but we also do give him credit for the things that he has done well. And as a human being, for all we know, Dick Monfort wants to maybe in a way make amends and do right where maybe he feels he didn't do right by a Troy Tulowitzki and say, Hey, yeah. we've got another. He cried spot. when Tulo was traded. I mean, those are the, those are the stories, and they're very easy to believe that he was really broken up by that. And and I think they're going to try to do I, – I think you're 100% right. They're going to try to do right by Trevor, and, and I think they have a very close relationship. You know, we observe from a distance, and it's been a year or so now, but, you know, it's not uncommon to see Dick Monfort occasionally wander in to the clubhouse and shake hands and smile again back in the era where shaking hands and giving people hugs was a, was a normal thing that everyone was just allowed to do. Um, and there's real affection there uh, between those guys. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that they'll, they'll try to do right by him. And I, and I could see the same actually for John Gray, you know, we could take a lot of the conversation we've just had here about Trevor's story and sort of downgrade it with, you know, a lot more question marks about, his value moving forward, but certainly, you know, the trust between him and the organization. So that's one of the things that'll be really fascinating though, is, is I do think that one of the ways that Nolan speaks for the team. And one of the reasons why he is the first domino to fall here is that 
and to, to your point, well over mine, they have to do something else better. And they owe it to especially these two guys, a now 30-year-old and a 27-year-old. One's clearly all of famer and maybe the greatest ever at his position and somebody else who would like to get his name into those types of conversations and has in some ways the fastest home runs to beating guys like Ernie Banks and all that stuff. And they deserve to play on competitive winning teams and be surrounded by talent that complements their ability to win. Because while, well, yeah, at the end of the day, they'll take the $35 million and the probably 27, 28 a year that Trevor's going to get from somebody, probably the Rockies. Um, they won't be happy if they're not winning. To your, they'll, they'll never be happy, either of those guys. And no one will be more vocal about it. But Trevor will be just as unhappy if they can't go out. And right now is the pivotal time. They have to prove it to everybody, fans, everybody else, but to those two people, first and foremost. And when you talk to athletes after their career, even guys who you know didn't have long careers or didn't make a lot of money, that's the one regret that they do have because they've been able to fulfill their dreams. They were able to to make it to the show and and be in the major leagues and and to be uh, you know high flying, you know jet flying, limousine riding, the whole thing. They were able to live fifty two twenty six. So uh, <laughs> people are going to know that. It's like, oh, you just take a shot. And like, no, if we make a wrestling reference, you know, and that was yeah. pretty good. We almost went the whole one. Yeah. But yeah, they've been able to live their dream. And yeah, you know, maybe they only made $2 million, but I don't know about you or anyone listening to this. Like, think about how many years you have to work at your job to make $2 million. And they were able to do that doing the playing the game that they did as a child. And when they first started playing it as a child, it wasn't, you know, too guarantee themselves millions of dollars to win what to win what whatever was ever going on there to be their best in their town or to be the best in their county or the best in their state the best in the nation and in college whatever it was to just be the best not individually but as part of a team it's a team game and yeah your 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 paycheck makes you feel good as an individual but whether or not you win that ring is is the big piece that you you might take to the grave and, and regret forever. And again, we know story now and they've they've already they've made enough money where I think again you make you make the right deal with the devil or or an angel or or God, whoever it is you're making a deal to, you would trade a lot of money for that championship. Because you've already yeah. got enough you've already got enough money. Well, yeah. What you don't have are the rings. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why we're going to have to keep an eye on it just like everybody else and figure out what's going to happen, where this team is going to go, because one way or another, they're going to have some all-world talent on their team next year. Uh, one of the two of these guys, probably both of them, will be right back as, yes, indeed, the best left side in all of baseball. And that's not the worst place in the Sorry, world. Sorry, Cleveland. Sorry, yeah. Cleveland. Sorry, Francisco Apologies. Lindor, Jose Reyes, or Jose Ramirez. Sorry. It's, they're great. They're great. But look, it is what it is. Facts speak for themselves. Uh, but you can't do it with just the left side of the infield alone, as it turns out. Going to need a few other things. And we're going to be following those other things. Hopefully, you'll hang out with us. 
Follow us on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. We're going to start rolling out for you beginning Monday morning of next week. Our player profiles, they're, they're really, they're not reviews of the season. Y'all watch the season, though we'll have some of that in there for you. We'll remind you, we'll give you some stats, we'll let you know where they're at give you their contract status and we'll give you our prediction for whether or not these guys are going to be on the team next year or not we're calling it rocks or roll they're going to continue to be rocks they're going to roll up on out of here we'll let you know it's going to be fun we'll run through most of the guys on the roster so be on the lookout for that starting monday you got to be a subscriber to the dnvr.com to get all of that plus you get discounts on shirts hats masks you get a bigger beer when you come on down to the DNVR bar. A lot of cool things about being a part of this super awesome community. In the meantime, we can only appreciate you for listening into this one today. Keep being absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.